Hi, I'm Sean L. McCarthy, founding editor of the Comics Comic, found wherever you can type the Comics Comic into your electronic devices. Welcome to Last Things First, the show that asks comedians about the historic lasts and firsts in their lives as their comedy careers have blossomed, from young people's dreams to adult people living those dreams, or still dreaming. Questions both big and small are asked and answered. It's hopefully both amusing and illuminating. Dan Perlman started out as an intern on Sirius XM's Ron and Fez show and continued working with and for Ron Bennington while he was hitting the stand-up open mic scene in New York City. After winning the Just for Laughs New York TV Festival's set-to-screen comedy pitch competition in 2015, Perlman earned himself a pilot presentation from Fox for his animated project That's My Bus. But it was his web videos with fellow comedian Kevin Iso, which started out as moderately funny, and eventually evolved into what we know as Flatbush Misdemeanors, the Showtime series Perlman co-created, executive produces, writes, and stars in. Perlman sat down with me before the second season premiere to talk about making videos without worrying if they go viral, making sure everyone from the web series had a role in making the TV show, and more. If you like this conversation, please consider subscribing to my substack called Piffany at piffany.substack.com so you can read bonus commentary on this episode as well as more comedy news and insights. Thanks in advance. And now that that's out of the way, let's get to it. So Dan Perlman, uh, last things first, congratulations on season two of Flatbush Misdemeanors. Oh, thanks, Sean. Does it, does it feel different both making a season two and then doing the promotion for it, knowing, oh, I've already been through this. I already... Yeah, uh, yeah. Every every part of it feels a little more comfortable, you know? It's like, you know, uh, when you're in the writer's room the first season and you're up against, you know, deadlines and stuff, you're like, I don't know if we're going to get this done. I don't know if we're, you know, I don't know how this is going to happen, you know? And then... You go through, and once you go through anything, you're like, okay, we've been through this before. I, you know, it's stressful, it's a lot, but then you know, it gets done. You know, I have friends at SNL, and I talked to them, and they, you know, said something the first season where it was like, every week we're like, there's no way this gets done, and then it gets done. You know, and <laughs> I think it's made. And um, so, yeah, uh, as far as the making of it, um, that's that's something that it's helpful because you just learn what you're looking for. You learn how to work with everybody. You learn, you know, what stuff is going to be much easier, what stuff you're going to need to focus on. So it's all, it's all good experience, you know? Now, Dan, I don't, I don't know that I knew this about you before preparing for this podcast, but you started out interning for Bennington. Yeah. Yeah. I, I started out, I was maybe 21 or two or something. And I, I interned at, it was Ron and Fez at the time. Okay. And um, I interned for them as I was like finishing uh, at college and starting to go bomb at open mics. And then, <laughs> um, and then I went and did that for a couple of years. And then, and then I went back and worked for Bennington. Like once Ron and Fez ended, Fez retired. Mm-hmm. And then Ron started doing a show with Gail, his daughter. Right. We started doing Bennington on Sirius XM. So I went back and worked for them for, it wasn't even a year, but as the show first started. And then, uh, and then I sold the animated pilot to Fox. And so then I left to do that. And, um, but yeah, I love those guys. I'm on, I'm back on regularly and, uh, you know, they're family. So, so how did you, how did you decide that that was the first move? Was it, did you have aspirations to, do a radio show yourself or was it 
just that you were a big fan of Ron and Fez or did you think that somehow this would teach you whatever skills you needed? I, I always, I mean, I just loved uh, uh, comedy in all like forms and I always wanted to be like a, a stand-up comedian who makes things, who was able to write and, and make a show and, and I just wanted to like learn all these different aspects and I think I think working there, sort of like out of college, it was like, you know, I I just kind of wanted to be around comedy in some way, you know, whether it was working for a, a TV show or radio show. I just wanted to be kind of like adjacent to it as I was an environment that was different than just uh, the open mics where I was would just go and, you know, get stared at for people, which I <laughs> did four times a night for mm-hmm. every night for years, you know. But um, so, yeah, I think that's what drew it there. And I, I learned a lot. And, um, you know, you see somebody like Ron, who's so good at what he does and um, and how he sets up the comedians to have them succeed when they come on. And so, yeah, I love I love those guys. Well, part of part of that, that secret sauce of Bennington is that he he wears multiple hats. Right. Yeah. He started out as a comedian. Then he had his own comedy club and then he became a broadcaster and now he's sort of kind of all three. Yeah. He's is one. He's incredibly quick, incredibly good at rolling with anything. I mean, that was super helpful to see and just learn like, yeah, he has, you might start on something and no, you know, allegiance to, he's just very able to flow anywhere in the conversation. And, you know, he listens and engages with what people are saying in a real way and, um, and always keeps it funny and manages the sort of tone of it. Yeah, so he's, you know, you can learn a lot from listening and watching him. The one thing I don't know him for, though, is making short films or web series. So where did, where did that impulse come from? Did you study film in school? or I studied education, actually. I went to Northwestern. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so I studied education. I thought I wanted to do comedy, but I didn't know if I'd have the courage for it. So I thought maybe I'll teach or something. Right. Um, it's performing for kids. Exactly. You have a captive audience that the city requires to <laughs> not walk out, you know? And, uh, so yeah, so I thought maybe I'll do that. And, um, but then I started, uh, writing for a filmed, uh, sketch comedy group in college. It was like an on-campus group and, you know, we'd write, uh, you know, two or three we'd film like two or three sketches a weekend and so we'd have have to bring in like two to four sketches a week like every week and so i you know you write a million sketches they're mostly horrible but you kind of learn the the discipline of just like writing a lot and churning stuff out and um and that was really fun to be a part of that and so then after college i think there was like i still had this desire to keep making stuff so started making a lot of sketches um, with friends, like a couple close friends, my friend uh, Daniel Johnson, who's uh, an editor on the show now, and uh, my friend Lawrence Dye, who uh, went on wrote, wrote for uh, Corden for years, and now is uh, writing on a bunch of stuff. And um, and so, you know, we we did that stuff, and then uh, I started working with Kevin uh, Iso, and we started making these sketches. And a lot of them were bad, but we just wanted to make stuff, you know, and then right. uh, and just not care about whether or not it's good or worked out or anything, just get in the rhythm of making shit and getting better that way. You know, the same way with stand up, you just get up and get better. And so, so, when, and, so when you met Kevin, then there wasn't, you didn't already have 
a premise in mind or no. a strategy. Just, just oh, I want to make I want to make content for lack of a better word. I want to make videos. I I yeah. want to make sketches. And you see Kevin at the open mics, and you're like, you seem like a guy who would be yeah think, making these with me. Yeah, I think because you know I think when you're starting, you know, you're at open mics and and you know you're starting and and you're looking around and you're seeing other people that seem uh funny or that just seem not completely insane or whatever and um <laughs> but you talk with a lot of people about like oh we should make something together and then you send them a thing and then they don't answer or whatever you know some people more talk about doing shit than than doing it but uh Kev was the first person I uh, met in stand up who I felt like had the same like drive to just make a thing regardless of um, and not let the um, barriers or hurdles of we don't have a permit, we don't have a this or that, or we need to build a crew, you know, like just let's just try to make a thing. And so that that was the sort of foundation of it. And then over time, you know, we found like, oh, this stuff works or that thing works. And so then we did that for a little bit and then stopped for a while. And then I started writing some stuff myself and I uh, did a pilot for Fox and then I wrote a couple other shorts and then and then we st- started working together again on um we zeroed in on the world of the sketches that we liked more which was what became flatbush and then um started working on that right i i imagine you mentioned uh needing to know about permits and i imagine if if you're not in new york or la you wouldn't you might not even think about that when you're when you're making a web series but in in New York City, especially, it's kind of hard not to like. I walk around my neighborhood, and I always see this the permit signs up that they're filming something. So, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> so if I were to try to do something like kind of like under the radar clandestine, I would know I'm trying to get away with something. Right, but but and yeah, and that's all we until. Flatbush season one mm-hmm. until showtime. We no, I never made anything with a permit. It was all <laughs> wildly illegal. You know, mm-hmm. we were. You know, uh, uh, I was. I pretended I was a Greek student from City College to film in a Greek Orthodox school <laughs> once. I, you know, we snuck onto the subway on the first stop at South Ferry to choose the seats we wanted to, when I made this short film cramming, like, you know, you just kind of, whatever you have to do to get the thing made. We went into a bakery and flatbushed the web series and we're like, can we just stand over here? And, you know, then our customer would come in and we'd have to stop shooting. Like you just do whatever you got to do to get the, get the thing done. Uh, When was the first time you, you learned about the New York television festival? That's been kind of like, um, a, a vital part of your story is that that yeah. festival and the independent pilot competition, right? Yeah. So I didn't even know. I didn't know anything about it, and then I um, I wrote this pilot. It was called "That's My Bus," and it was like an animated show about a bus driver. And I, I'd never written a pilot before. I just thought it would be. Uh, I had that idea, and I thought that would be fun because it's like on a city bus, but it's it's you know. Uh, grounded and you can have like the cast of regulars on the bus and that, but then still use animation to get into different worlds, you know? Mm-hmm. Anyway, so I, I wrote that and it was the first pilot I wrote. And then I was invited up to Montreal just for laughs 
this was in 2015, and they were doing, um, uh, it was called JFL Comedy Pro. And I don't even know if they're still doing it, but they were doing like a pitch fest. Right. It was five projects to pitch. And it was a very weird setup because you're on stage in front of an audience um, pitching to five execs from different outlets or networks. Mm-hmm. And um, and uh, I think it was the only animated project there. Um, and you're uh, pitching it. And I'd never pitched a thing before. And so we pitched it. And I felt like, all right, that went okay. Um, and then they said we won that. And so the prize for that was a spot in the New York TV festival. Ah, but, okay. but as luck would have it, one of the execs on the panel there was from Fox and he loved it. And then I talked to another exec from Fox and, uh, and she, she liked it. And then they're like, call us when you get back to New York. And they's like, mm-hmm. like we want to um, order a pilot script for it. And then I met up with them in person and I think I was dressed now like I was wearing a hoodie and they're like, oh, you don't believe me. And I'm like, no, that's true. Yeah, I don't. Um, but but anyway, so that it was that competition that was like a feeder for the New York TV Festival that helped. And, and, and but anyway, all that stuff, the New York TV Festival, like any independent stuff is super helpful for like someone like me. I have no like online following and I think for anybody who doesn't have like a million followers like you're just looking for other ways of avenues for people to sort of get that rare external validation of like this thing is cool this thing is good and so any avenue where you can kind of find that i think is really helpful to getting other people to see your shit right because the the fox deal the pilot presentation for that's my bus that happened plus you started to make the initial videos for Flatbush Misdemeanors, all of that came before you officially got new faces. Yeah. For laughs. So you had been yeah. to Montreal for the festival. You had Twice. gotten a, you had gotten a, yeah, you had gotten a deal. Then you had, you made this web series that started going to festivals and then you get new faces. Right. So when you right. go to Montreal, that, that, that subsequent time, do you go there? Like, with any kind of illusions or delusions about what's going to happen? No, I went with no delusions. I figured, I was like, nothing in particular is going to happen here. But also, you know it's the accumulation of cool stuff. And every, I've been there three times, and every time, like, led to something. Like, so, I was there 2015, that was the bus thing, and then 2017, that was the first time we premiered Flatbush the web series because uh, Kevin Hart was doing a, a short film screening there. And he, oh, for his laugh out loud? Yeah, that, that was the year they were trying to do that thing. And so mm-hmm. they chose five comedy shorts and, and ours was one of them. And so it was the first time we ever saw it like in front of people. I was so uncomfortable watching it, you know. <laughs> and so, but it was great. I mean, it's like Kevin Hart. It's like, you know, there's yeah. like 1,200 people there or whatever. Like it was, um, it, it did like super well and so and that helped like okay then we started sending it to other film festivals and that's what gave that credibility and then new faces i did that the next year 2018 and truly the only thing that concretely came from that was uh bamford maria bamford came up to me after my set and was incredibly sweet and kind and with her with her husband and just super complimentary and then sent me an email saying her, her favorite jokes uh, that I did in the set and that meant so much because I think she's one of the best 
you know, I, I, I just love her so much. And um, and so then when we were writing Flatbush, I always had her in my mind of like, I want her to call my mom because she's weird enough to be drawn to Kareem Green, who plays my stepdad, but like mentally ill enough to be my mom. And so I sent her an email. I was like, I wrote this for you. It's in New York. It's no money. Please say yes. Like, you're just the best. Please do it. And she was like, of course. Yeah. Of course she would. She was already giving you that motherly support and love. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> Did you have, because when you and Kevin started making Flatfish Misdemeanors, you had those those couple years of experience, you know, getting through all of the kinks of moderately funny and learning just how to make videos and how to do them with good production value, but no budgets. Did you have any inspiration or did you look to some of the other web series that had gone to TV, whether it's especially the New York ones, whether it's Broad City or High Maintenance and go, okay, they've put down a blueprint for how to do this. Um, I would, I would be lying if I said I, I did. I think, I think to Kevin's credit, I think he may have had more of a sense that it could really go somewhere than I did. I think for me, um, where I was at the time, because I did that pilot, it didn't go to series. And then, you know, when you do a pilot, you, you go through all the steps and you clear these hurdles and you work with uh, um, all, all the different uh, people. And it's, it's a super helpful, fun learning experience. But then if it doesn't go, nobody gets to see the thing. It doesn't exist. And so for me, when we started making the videos, I was like, oh, great, we're just going to make something that, people can see. So even if 40 people see it, we've made it, it's out there, it exists. And that's fun. It's fun for me to be on set. It's fun for me to write stuff and then you sort of massage it and make it better and then just put it out there. Like that's really fun for, you know, some of the shit I'm the most proud of is like one short I made that maybe a thousand people will ever see, but it's fun to make that stuff. And so that's kind of where I was, I was looking at it. But I think I think the other side of it is what you said, like the proof of that is a path, I think mm -hmm. especially helped other people see like, oh, this is valid what they're doing because high maintenance was able to do it and Broad City was able to do it. And so I think that that was definitely huge for seeing that it was possible. Okay. So from, from what I gather then, although your character on the show suffers greatly from anxiety, which leads to addiction issues in your real life, you didn't you didn't have as much anxiety over how your career path was going um it was just more about making making I mean, things than about trying to it's always hit these certain goals at these certain moments it's always it's always a, a balance right and it's always kind of like this struggle of like tuning out the noise and there's so much right. noise going on especially in in stand-up and especially with social media and stuff and you go on and you see this person's doing this and this person's doing that and you're like what the fuck i'm just sitting here you know what i mean like you feel awful and uh but then you realize like i don't, I don't even know if that's the thing that i want to do or i don't even know if that's a thing that like i want to put a thousand hours into working on and and getting good at so you know it it alternates but and so i've been stressed plenty of times because you know, you questioned it a lot because it's so hard to get that external validation, you know, and so it comes so like fleetingly. So it's 
it's sometimes you wonder like I don't know should I not be trying to make this stuff that I like should I just be like just jumping around and making noise and 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 just trying to go viral any which way that I can no matter how whatever stupid horse shit it is even if it's stuff I don't find funny like I don't know like you wonder that stuff but then on the moments when I feel I'm feeling good and feeling most productive and feeling most like alive it's when I'm like I like this thing or this is a bit that I am having fun working on or this is uh, an idea I have that I want to see flushed out into a show or movie or whatever like that's that's what you can control and I think that's what comics like is the control of it so the more you can focus on that little micro project the better you'll feel for me how, how much of that sentiment uh were you able to foster as a result of going through that earlier experience with Fox where that was hugely helpful because because you learn I mean, every step you you learn something, you know. So you just, I when I was going through it again, I knew like that much more. I know the stuff that I was like, okay, that was I, I was right to do that, and that stuff I could have fought more for this, or this one do- doesn't matter as much, or I didn't do enough for that. Like you just you learn it, and so and you learn what to expect. You learn to be grateful for it and how hard you have to work because it can all go away in a minute and that nothing is guaranteed you know it all you have a moment and then it can go to zero and then you're nobody cares and so it's just about continuing to to work and to to put stuff out there and to continue to try things so that yeah that was hugely helpful how wild was it then that things started to come together in 2020 that (laughs) that year where everything slows down and everything shuts down and we have the great pause and we're all wondering, well, what's comedy going to be like? And that's the year that you put out an album. And then a few months later, you get the word from the nice folks here at Showtime. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it it was, it was wild. I I don't know. It was, um, you know, you, you go through obviously a million different emotions as we all did during that time when, everything's shut down and you're like, all right, is this temporary? And like, Oh, is this just forever? Is this, is there not any, or is there, are there no things anymore? Like what's (laughs) going on? Like, should I even, why am I caring about this? What is, what is anything? Um, so I don't know. It, It was, it was obviously weird as hell, but it was also super fun. Cause it was just like, you work on this thing for so long. And then when they say go, it's just like, all right, go, you know, it was like, I think it was maybe October 2020 we started and we premiered May 23rd. And so we had to write eight more scripts and shoot it and just get the thing done. And so, and I think not having gone through it before helped you not even question like, wait, this is crazy. Like, you know, you know, like, okay, that's what we're doing. You know, that's what you do. Right. You get uh, the order in October and the show's on in May. That's a, that's a fast turn. Yeah, but but you, you pull it off, you know. I I always like those, you know, like the when you give they give you in class essays, mm-hmm. you know, instead of because when I would take it home, you just I would dick around for a month and not do it until the night before. But when they just give you a thing and they're like write ten pages, you're like, okay, you don't have a choice, you just do it. And so, um, uh, yeah, so I I think it was also just you know you were just sitting around for a little bit, and so the prospect of doing all that work wasn't like daunting as much as it was like cool thank you let's let's do it that's something to do I've, and at, at a great scale 
How important has it been to be able to cast so many comedians? I mean, you mentioned Maria, but there's also Carrie, Yamanika, Roy, Jackie Fabulous, Sam J. I mean, that's that's huge, and it, it's like, um, yeah, it, it, it the show wouldn't be wouldn't work the way it does without them because they all those comedians. I mean, they they know who they are, and so if we make them comfortable, they'll make every scene better, every line better. And they all do that and they all infuse their own energy to it. And then even just on set, it's just a nice like comfort for, for us. Cause so much of it is just, you just want to have for me, I just like, just want to have like a good vibe on set and you want to have good energy on set. And you know, there's few people with better energy than like Roy or, or Maria and, you know, and, and nothing makes me laugh more than Yamanika yelling at me. You know, just like you want to feel comfortable. <laughs> she has a way and of yelling at you. Yeah, it's and, awesome. By you, I mean me. I mean, yes. <laughs> and it's and and you know they're the funniest people in the world. So mm-hmm. uh, so I think it also it meant a lot to and Carrie also is amazing and she wrote on the show also on both seasons and in addition to playing uh, Jasmine in the first season and. Um, it meant a lot to bring over almost everyone from the web series we were able to get on camera on the show and that meant a lot because they were there they showed up on Saturdays early when no comedian wants to wake up and (laughs) we're like we'll try to buy you lunch or whatever and they showed up and, and did it because they were doing us favors and had faith in us and so that meant a lot to be able to like then work on this scale you know Right. And now you can pay someone $300 to say three nice things about you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. No spoilers. No spoilers. Um, Have your, have your career goals changed now that you have had some success in, in TV? Um, Yeah, maybe. I mean, I always, I always, I mean, you know, I dreamed of doing, this kind of stuff and so I would love to just if I'm fortunate enough to be able to keep doing it you know and keep improving so I love like making I loved making this show and I flushing out a world and and characters and like a super specific environment and finding the comedy in it and tracking the story and I got to direct an episode this season, which I love doing and um, would want to do that more. So I would love to keep um, working in that space and developing more and making more shows, more stories, you know, and, um, and then stand up. I've also been easing back into since, um, since we wrapped season two. And that's also fun to do and to figure out what, what the hell I want to say up there now, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Um, Before I let you go, so much has changed in the eight plus years since 2014 when you started making sketches for video. You know, the technology is different. The way show business works is different. Our politics feels a lot different. Our world feels different. If you were to start now instead of 2014, would you do it the same way or would you have a different game plan? I mean... The answer is pro. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I, I I guess the answer is probably like if we did it the same way, it's like 
might probably would not have worked. I, I don't know. Like that's where I somebody who was just starting was just asking me for advice the other day, and it gets to be you try you don't want it to sound like you're blowing them off, but it's one of those things where it's like I can just tell you what I did. I can also tell you I don't think this is the thing to do anymore. You know what I mean? But this is like right. I don't think you go to a million mics and and do that. I think there's so many outlets now in a good way to get your stuff seen. But then also on the other side, it's like there's such a, a plethora of shit that sometimes it's hard for the the quality to sift through. But right. but I still think it it does. But I don't know, man. I'm uh, I'm guess I'm I'm glad I haven't had to learn TikTok yet. But I'll <laughs> that's what I, was I know I will. I know I'm gonna have to, and I know. <laughs> I'll be talking to you in a year and you'll be like, so you started doing these dances and I'll be like, yeah, I've always kind of wanted to do a little dance on TikTok. You know, I'll just be lying. Yeah. Yeah. TikTok wasn't a thing in 2014. Uh, it was still about YouTube videos, but now it's TikTok uh, or, you know, or you could do a podcast uh, and become right. super rich and famous like Tim Dillon or Andrew Schultz exactly. or, uh, or you could be me and not be super rich and have a podcast. And thank you for being on it. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Sean. I really appreciate it. This episode of the Comics Comic Presents Last Things First was post-produced by Alex Brazell at Showbird Studios. The music was by Camille Harris and Shockwave, logo by Giggle Chick. If you enjoyed listening, please check out my Substack called Piffany at piffany.substack.com for transcripts, bonus commentary, and expert analysis about comedy, show business, and more. I'm your host, Sean O. McCarthy. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.